Cool. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. It's nice when you greet me back. I love it. How are you doing? It's good. It's good. I'm really I'm excited to preach again. It feels like I haven't spoken in a while. That's probably why the church has kept growing, because I decided to, <laughs> decided to keep quiet for a few weeks. Um, but it really is back to uh, good to be back here in France. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Leonard. I'm one of the elders here, and it's uh, an incredible privilege to be with you here tonight. Um, I actually thought, Geetan, don't you quickly just come and sh share that word that you shared before prayer meeting, because it, it actually fits in well with what I'm going to preach about, and then I'll tell you guys what we're preaching about. Yes, Geetan heard the Lord, or did I? I don't know. <laughs> um, everything, the first part. Yeah, so I, um, I am actually married. <laughs> um, for two, I think we are now two years married. Uh, Bernadette. She's, um, she's spending time with the children there because we're trusting the Lord for babies. So, <laughs> um, so I, today, um, after Middag Slopy, I, I got this um, reminder, or I think it was the Lord, that um, how I was standing, I remember standing, um, Ben was also standing next to me and Henry as well on my wedding day. And I remember when Bernadette came, there was this joy in my heart that I cannot explain. Um, as I saw, and as I saw her coming towards um, uh, walking on the aisle, and the Lord started showing me today that 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 He wants to break something open in us um, about that joy. That when we see Jesus, that when we experience Him, that we would experience the joy of the Lord, and that we would experience that. He is not just a God that brings us through hard times and everything and, and suffering, but He is a God that wants to um, um, call us as a people who carry a joy. And I don't think any one of us wants to really be around people or spend too much time with people that's always sad and always grumpy, but actually a people of joy and a people full of life. And um, there's, a, there's a verse that's in John 15, um, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he speaks to them about abiding in the vine and abiding in Jesus. And then he says, in the end he says, but I say these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Yeah, so I think that's just really trusting that the Lord would give us a joy that, we, that the world cannot explain, that we cannot fake. And um, I think that that's Jesus, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Keaton. You wore his prophetic shirts for that word. Specifically tonight, saying happy. All right, so what I want to speak about tonight is, um, is, is a bit of a slogan that you'll hear in Josh Chen often when you're around us. And it's, uh, it's in some of the designs even when it's the Josh Chen logo at the bottom many times. It says, dying to live. Anyone heard that before? Dying to live, all right. But if, uh, so sometimes it's difficult to put um, emphasis on something. But what I want to speak about tonight is dying to live. You got me. You got me there. Okay. So not just the dying part, but the to live part. And I think that's where what Geetan is saying here is actually so applicable. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. So if you're wondering, if you're taking notes, dying to live. That's uh, that's the heading of what I'm speaking about tonight. But I actually want to start by telling you a little story about when I went to Bible school. I'll, I'll rewind a little bit just for the fun because my cousin is here tonight, Benjamin Lizamore Lee. Um, so just for interest's sake, this is my cousin. He's one of the elders in Wellington, and we got saved on the same day, uh, 2nd of March 2007, and both of us are serving the Lord still, and it's, uh, it's incredible to have him here. 
Yay, Ben, we're happy that you're here. It's like, it's like a bit of a celeb. I saw when he came in, lots of people came to greet him. But anyway, after, um, so, so we, we got saved. I remember one of the, the guys that prayed for us for the Holy Spirit and that led us to the Lord and that discipled us. Um, when he was teaching us about the Holy Spirit and prayed for us for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I can't remember if it was him or one of the other leaders, but they said, listen, after we pray for you, after I pray for you, Tomorrow morning when you wake up, the grass is going to be greener, the sky is going to be bluer, and the birds are just going to chirp that much nicer. And they prayed for me, and I've told some of you this story, and I remember being prayed for, and they, they prayed for everyone down the line, and it was one of those Holy Spirit moments where they would pray for people, and people would just fall over. I don't know if you've seen that. It's one of those weird moments where people would just be flat on the floor, and they got to me, and they prayed for me, and nothing happened. I didn't experience anything. I didn't experience the Holy Spirit, not any of those things. And I felt like, come on, isn't it supposed to be fun? Isn't there supposed to be joy? Isn't it supposed to be like tomorrow morning when I wake up, my, my voice is more manly or something like that? You can grow a beard, a full beard, something like that. I thought it's going to be this magnificent moment after getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I had this wrestle in me because I thought that serving God was going to be fun. It was going to be um, interesting all the time. It was going to be easy. It, it was going to be this promise that I received of the blue sky and the green grass. And the longer I kept walking with the Lord, I realized that sometimes it's difficult following Jesus. Sometimes it's really difficult following Jesus. Can I get an amen? Isn't that, the Bible says that actually it's a narrow road. And sometimes walking that narrow road is difficult. You feel like, where's the fun? Where was all of these things that I, that I thought was going to be there? And sometimes it's just really difficult to follow the Lord. And I had this wrestle in me. And you know what we like? Many times the, the Bible says in the end times we will find teachers to say what our itchy ears want to hear. So I found this teacher. I won't mention his name or the church that he's from. Um, but I found this teacher and he, he said things that I actually liked. He spoke about the fun in following God and the joy in following God. And, and now actually a, a lot of it is, is, is about you in a sense. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the teachings that he gave that I thought, come on, it shouldn't be this difficult following Jesus. I'm going to rally behind this guy. And one of the teachings, he said that, you guys know the story in the Bible where, <clears throat> where Jesus walks with the disciples and two of them are arguing who is going to be the greatest one day and who's going to sit next to Jesus, okay? And then this guy said in his teaching, he said, if you never, if walking with, Je in walking with Jesus, it's normal to want to be better than everyone else. Otherwise, you're not walking with Jesus. And I thought, come on, that's right. I can be competitive. I can enjoy it. I can go for it. I found justification for making my Christianity about me. Anyone else ever been there where you've been frustrated and it's been difficult to follow God? Okay, all six of you. No, I'm joking. There's a few. It's not always easy. And I had this wrestle in me. I remember one evening sitting with, um, with one of the girls that was at the Bible school with me, and we went to a restaurant can't remember. She was much older, so I thought probably okay to go to a restaurant, even at Bible school with her. So um, we sat in the restaurant, and actually all we did is we both sat there and cried about how difficult it is to follow Jesus. I said, oh, it's so difficult. So my life sucks. I felt like that for a bit. But you know, um, something in me had this wrestle of like, come on, it, it can't be this difficult. And you know, many of you, I, I think, sit there. You just, you're just not sure where Christianity should fall. Should it be fun? 
or should it be really difficult? Should I be able to, to have fun in the presence of God, or should I be convicted of my sin only? And we get so, so um, confused about this thing. Where does it fall? Where do the lines fall? Uh, where is it actually with Jesus? So what I want to do is I actually want to um, start here by saying, well, firstly, actually, I'm going to speak about dying to live. Well, firstly, actually, what the Bible does call us is it does call you actually to die. Calls you to die. Jesus calls you to die, firstly. He says, I know you've got your life, but I want you to die to your old life. I want you to die to your desires. And it sounds heavy, but that's where I want to start tonight. So what I, I'm going to do is I've got a few quotes of modern preachers, and I didn't put it up there. I'm going to read it for you, and I'm not going to tell you. I'm really itching to tell you who these people are so you don't read their things. Just by the way, if you go to Kum Books and you want to buy a book, look at the top 10. Don't buy any of those, okay? <laughs> go, to, go to other places because normally it's like self-help. It's all about how, um, how your life is about you, not about Jesus. But the first thing that the Bible says that God calls us for is actually to die to ourselves. But listen to this. I'm going to read the quote by modern preachers. And then I'm going to tell us actually what the Bible says. And we're going to juxtapose those two, put them together, compare them, and see where we should actually land. So listen to this. God wants us to prosper financially, to have plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny He has laid out for us. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay. I'm going to read it again. God wants us to prosper financially. Amen. All right, <laughs> to have plenty of money, not a little, plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny that he has laid out for us. Now, listen to this, the, the disciples, Peter, he was, he was one of the pillars in the early church. He says this, he was a lame man, not, not lame like we say lame today, like the guy couldn't walk, right? The guy, the, the guy is lame next to the road. And Peter walks past and the guy asks him for money and Peter says this, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. So when Peter said, I have no silver or gold, you know what that means in the Greek and the Hebrew? Well, in the Greek, it means he didn't have any money, right? See, clever Greek right there. <laughs> it just means he didn't have money. They're not lying. It wasn't a metaphor. He was literally saying, I don't have any money. So this preacher says, God wants you to have plenty of money. And Peter would stand there and say, I'm probably missing Jesus right here because I don't have any money. But actually, that's not what the Bible calls us to. Paul, in fact, one of the apostles, the heroes of our faith, he said, you know, this verse that we love to quote out of context so much, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all the guys who gym like Nico put it on their bicep on it as a tattoo. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that when you do that, that, what do you call it? I don't even know. Like, cool. What do you call it, Nico? A, a dumbbell cool. When you do your dumbbell cool, you've got your, I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me right there. But you know what Paul was actually saying there? He was saying, I know what it is to have a lot of money or some money to have enough, he says. And I know what it is to have very little. But I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. So what is Paul's focus on money? I don't think so. Paul wasn't trying to grasp at money. I remember my first salary when I started working for the place that he works now was 2,000 rand. I'm still soothing or something. <laughs> Choking, it was 2,000 rand. And if I followed this, this preacher with a big smile, 
I would, have, um, I would have thought that I'm missing God. I cannot be in the will of God. I'm earning 2,000 rand a month. The next year, I remember I earned 5,000 rand a month. I thought I was a rich guy. Eh? And then the year after that, 5,500 rand. And I knew that I was in the will of God. But money, it was just enough to get out to pay my rent, to buy a little bit of food. And I was happy because I was in the will of God. Right? It's not about those things. Listen to this quote. <clears throat> Almost said the guy's name. All right. Starts with a Joel and ends with an Austin, but I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> well, I didn't say it, eh? Right. You need to associate with people who inspire you, people that challenge you to raise you higher, people that make you better. Don't waste your valuable time with people that are not adding to your growth. Okay, now here's a scenario for you. Follow me here. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to die for the sins of the world. People are stabbing him, throwing things at him. He's got a crown of thorns. He hasn't eaten. They're breaking his bones. And Jesus says, I do not need to associate with people who don't inspire me. People that don't challenge me and raise me higher. People that make me better. I'm not going to waste my valuable time with people that are not adding to my growth. Do you think Jesus would say that? No, because Jesus wasn't all about him. He was about us. He was about dying for our sins, about buying life for us. So his message wasn't, I'm only going to spend time with people who I like, who are going to build into me. In fact, he teaches us, no, it's not about you. This kingdom is not about you. You need to die to this self that's living in you that only wants to be about you. And he says, don't do that. In fact, I need you to love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Reach out. He says, we need to be like sheep that go amongst the wolves. A wolf is not going to add anything to you if you're a sheep. They're going to try and eat you up. Okay, but Jesus said to us, no, this is not the message. That message is all about you. My message that I give to you is a message that's all about others. It's all about the king and all about others. You need to die to yourself. This is not the same guy that I quoted earlier. It's another guy. He says, quote, on the cross... Jesus won the right for believers to be born again back into the God class. Adam was created, not subordinate to God, but as a God. He lost it. And in Christ, we are taken back to the God class. Scary, eh? This guy is well known. I'm not quoting, I'm not quoting some person that none of you would have heard of. If you put T TBN on you're probably going to see this guy's face. He's a well-known preacher. And this is what he says. We were created in the God class, but because Adam sinned, we fell out of it. Now in Christ, I can be like a God again. It's all about me. It's all about my desires. And the modern church, the message of the modern church is, this is how you can be a better you. This is how you can take who you've been made to be and just better yourself, be a better person. And it's all centered around me, myself, and I. And I'm telling you, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus starts by saying, it's not about you. You need to die to yourself. The world is going to tell you, come on, it's all about you. Jesus is going to tell you, no, it's all about me. It's all about me. I know I'm, I'm quoting other people a little bit, uh, a lot tonight. But let me first just say on that previous one, you know, the reason Satan was thrown out of heaven, he was an angel first, is because he wanted to be in the God class. He wanted to make himself like God. He was created. He had, a, he had a place that God destined for him, and he said, but I want to be more. 
the moment we start living like that, where you want to elevate yourself, where you want to become more, you, where you want to be something in this world, you know what you're actually walking in? You're walking in the spirit of Satan, in, in a sense, because Satan wanted to elevate himself, make himself into the God class. But the spirit of Jesus is one that says, yes, I've been giving a, given a place. Actually, my place is in, in, uh, in standing with the Father. He is one. The Father, the Spirit, and Jesus are one. He's equal with the Father, equal with the Spirit. But Jesus said, I'm not going to make myself higher. I'm going to go to earth, and I'm going to come in the form of a servant. And I'm going to die on the cross. And I'm going to make myself the lowest that I can make myself die in the form of a servant, actually die the worst death ever, so that people could be set free. So here's the thing. The modern church is going to tell you this. Make yourself more. I'm telling you, it might be through the church. Just because a church has the, the word church above it doesn't mean that it's a church where God resides. It doesn't. Because there are so many churches that are about elevating self. It's a, it's, it's a show, people. It's a show. Some of the greatest enemies that we face today will not be from outside of the church. It will be from inside of the church. Churches who have compromised, churches who have become self-help centers, churches who have become social clubs, and all they teach you is how to elevate yourself. No, the Spirit of Christ says, humble yourself. It's not about you. It's not about you. Leonard Ravenhill said the following, The early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Prosperity, personality, and popularity. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. In fact, many times it's going to be hard because everything in you is going to want to do what Satan did, make yourself more. But the life that Jesus calls us to is he says, I need you to make yourself less because I am your savior. I'm the one that's going to save you. You can't do it. You can't elevate yourself. Die to yourself. Die to your own wants. Die to who you think you are so that I can live through you. That's the first thing. But you know what we do? It's the interesting thing. And I said tonight, what's my title? Dying? To live. Yeah, you got to say it with me because I feel like, I think the exams made all of you brain dead, all of the students. And I think you're probably scared because it looks like the rapture has started taking place because some of your friends who pray a lot are not here anymore. They've left. <laughs> now you're not sure, am I chosen or am I not? <laughs> Can it be with Jesus? I know there's fewer people. They've just gone home. We pray for them that they will still keep seeking Jesus. Um, but anyway... So, so you must say it with me. The, the title of the message is Dying. That's better. That's better. It's dying to live. And you know what we do in Christianity? I think one of the things that Josh Jane really stands for that I think we do well. So when you walk into different churches, you'll pick up different things, right? Different works that God is doing in churches, and in healthy churches especially. One of the things that I love about Jesus, about this church, is when you walk in, you're really going to hear this a lot. Die to self. Lay down your desires. It's not about you. It's, it's about Jesus. Who of you think we, we're quite strong in that area? You hear it a lot, eh? We are like those, we're that radical church, and I love it. We're like, no, come on, it's not about you. Don't come and think it's going to be about you. Worship is not about you. The sermon is not about you. Church is not about you. It's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. We're that church. 
I love it. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I think it's amazing. I think so many times when I've, and I get we're growing and we need to keep that DNA, but when I've spoken to other church leaders, when I've spoken to other, other Christians in, in Stellenbosch, they've said, man, when I speak to your people, they're all so radical. Their lives are laid down. And I'm like, that's the testimony that I want. That's the testimony that we want in this church. It's, it's people who are saying, I'm living for Jesus, not myself. But you know what we tend to do? Because we see this truth in Scripture and because it's something that we preach regularly and I believe in it with all of my heart, we've got this thing, I, I call it the pendulum effect, where because we see the one extreme, we swing to the other. But we don't always take the fullness of Scripture into account. And within the Bible, you need to realize, I'm teaching a little bit different tonight, I'm jumping between a few things, but you need to realize that in, in Scripture, almost always there's tension in Scripture, it's tension. It's not, it's not contradiction. It's called tension. And although I love it that we're this strong church that says die to self, I want to say there is actually another side in the Bible. And because it's abused so many times, what we do is we want to disassociate from the abuse and we want to say we are not a prosperity church. We're not about the prosperity gospel. In fact, when we speak about finances, we normally say visitors we don't want you to give your money because we don't want this thing to be abused. We, we hate so much the abuse that we run to the other side. And when, uh, when, when someone comes to us and we've seen the abuse of churches where worship is all scripted and it's beautiful and it's all about me and Jesus, we want to run from that and say, no, it's not that. It's about us coming together for the glory of God. We run away from it. We disassociate with it. But here's the lesson that we need to learn. There are actually a few other scriptures in the Bible that need to make us think. And just because there's abuse doesn't mean that it needs to lead to no use. It means that it needs to lead to right use. So where there are abuses in scripture, yes, we want to disassociate. We want to say, no, we see this other part of Jesus. But we have to be honest enough to say that it's not only the dying, but there's something of the living as well. There's something of a joy in following Jesus. Yes, I die, but can I be honest here for a moment? I love following Jesus. Man, it's a heck of a lot of fun. I, um, I know these, these conversations, I, I heard about people having a conversation where the person said, um, it's, it's an atheist that spoke to a Christian, and the atheist said to the Christian, man, if you're wrong about this Christianity thing, your life would have been so boring because you never slept around, you, you, you stopped smoking, you stopped drinking, you stopped using drugs. It looked like it's, it's so boring. And the Christian replied and said, you know what? Let's just take this um, example here. If you're wrong and I'm right and Jesus is really Lord and he really did exi does exist and he's really God, if you are wrong, you're going to be in hell one day and I'm going to go to heaven, right? If I'm wrong and you're right, and we're both going to come to nothing anyway because there's no God. I still have had a very good time on earth. I'm telling you because I still enjoyed following Jesus. And I want to say, yes, I know there's the abuses of loving Jesus, enjoying every Sunday is a fun day. There's like that, that abuse in, the, in, the scripture, in, in churches where all of it is about having fun. But I want to say, yes, I disassociate with it. But in a sense, man, I flipping love it following Jesus. <laughs> it is so fun. Is there anyone like that in here? <laughs> it's fun. 
I actually enjoy following him. I actually enjoy coming to church. I enjoy it. I love it. It's, it's really fun. The coffee's even good now. So now, <laughs> now we're a real church. We were like a training church for two years. Now we're a legit church because we've got coffee. <laughs> Just joking. And I'm not saying that every Sunday should be a fun day. I mean, it's some, some days God is going to rock up and we're all going to be on our knees. It's not going to be fun. He's going to convict us of our sins, right? That is going to happen. But there's something in me where, man, actually Sunday is a fun day for me to an extent. I actually love coming to church. I love spending time with you. I love seeing the work of God in your lives. I love worshiping. I love reading the Bible. I love sitting under preaching and feeling like I feel like I'm growing. There's the dying but I'm like, there's the to-live part that I actually enjoy. You know, Jesus did say that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. The enemy came to steal, kill, and to destroy, but God has come to give us life and life in abundance, John 10, 10. So although, yes, we are like the martyrs. we like, um, we're, our hero is Peter. He's really my hero, I've told you. Peter, when, he, when they killed Peter, they said they were going to crucify him, and he said, I'm not worthy of being crucified like my Lord. Rather, crucify me upside down. So they crucified him upside down, dying. He's my hero, dying. But I want to say, in the dying, there's also, in the Word of God, there's to live. There's abundant life. There's a joy that I can't explain to people. It doesn't always make sense. It's not the joy of this world. It's not the joy that people think. It's not the joy that you get from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's not that type of joy. It's an inner joy. It's a joy of serving Jesus. And I feel like I want to stretch us a little bit tonight to say we're doing so well on the dying front. Man, we need to do well on the living front as well. We only die to live. Okay, that needs to sink in. We only die so that we can live. Jesus, um, I think it's going to be a shorter message tonight, actually. Um, Jesus, you know, Jesus died for us, right? He had the dying thing. But you know why he died? To live. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 2, if you can just put that up. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, meaning he's the one that that, uh, that starts your faith, He reaches into your life, He gives you salvation. I'm trusting maybe even tonight He's going to give some people in your salvation who aren't saved yet. He's reaching out to you. And He's also the perfect. He's the one that keeps working in you so that you can follow Him to the end. That's the Jesus we're following. Now listen to this. He's, uh, this is why He died. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus die? Why do we die to ourselves? For the joy set before us. For the joy set before Him. Jesus didn't want to die on the cross, right? It, w it wasn't all about crucifixion. It was crucifixion so that life could come from it. I think many times we've become so the, the, the champions of crucifixion, of like dying to self, that we, we start looking for ways to crucify ourselves even. And you know what? It's impossible to crucify yourself. You can do the foot you can do the other foot, you can do the hand, but then you're stuck. <laughs> you can't do the other hand. You guys are following me, or you're brain dead tonight, right? 
we can't be those people that crucify ourselves who for the, just the sake of saying, I want to die to Christ, that look for ways of just dying, dying, dying the whole time. Yes, that's important when God comes and He does that work in us. But He always does that work in us for the joy set before us, for the life that will flow from it. The example that Jesus set is, He said, I don't want to let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die, but I'm dying because I see this. That's why Jesus died. He died so that he could see redemption. He died so that he could see forgiveness. He died so that he could see the church being birthed. That's why he died. He didn't just die for the sake of dying. I want to challenge you tonight. If you're one of those radical Christians, don't just die for the sake of dying. Die so that life can flow from it. I'm going to explain that scripturally now. Follow Jesus so that he can, he can kill those parts of you that he wants to, but so that life can flow. That's what our Lord and Savior did. He died because he knew that people would be sitting here tonight who have sinned, who fall short of the glory of God, but he's reaching out to us. He died so that we can live, actually. That's why he died. So what is the message, actually? The message is, yes, we die, but it's, it's so that we can live. I want to tell you um, an example out of my own life. So... Feel like I'm botching up the script, this message a little bit. I'm, I'm like so my notes. I've just dreamt so I've, I haven't preached in a bit, so feel like a bit rusty. So I'm like, I don't even know where are my notes. <laughs> I'm like everywhere. I can just check my notes actually. Oh, thank you, thank you, Gene. <laughs> How's my English? Is it okay? All right, okay, thanks. Gene's like my English teacher. <laughs> she helps me with my English. Um, now my lost train of my of thought. So, so here's, here's an example, okay? Um, Carla and I, my wife at the back, you can wave with the little girls. We've got two beautiful little girls, two twinsies, um, Lenka and Clara sitting at the back. They're beautiful. We love them to bits. Um, they're amazing, really. They're so cute. I wish I could show you a few videos tonight, but then you're going to forget about Jesus for a bit. And I don't want that. <laughs> but we love them to bits. But... You know, Carla and I, I want to just use an example, because in your life, what God is going to do, He is going to call you to die, but He's going to call you to die so that fruit can come from it, so that life can come from it. So I remember for the longest time, I had a massive desire to be in a relationship and to, be, to get married. Anyone else that's honest enough to say that you've got those sinful desires in you? Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I remember that desire, and when we were at school... Ben, uh, Ben's sitting here, you can attest to it, like, we, like, girls, were, that was a bit of a thing, like, you, you wanted a girl, we actually once almost kissed the same girl, which is a bit awkward, right, <laughs> it almost happened, I stopped, he was the only one that kissed her, <laughs> this is after we got saved now, it was like this drive, it was this thing that in a sense I wanted to take it for myself, I wanted to look for the person, and uh, I, I just, I wanted to keep this, and then when, in my first year of going to Bible school, and we were asked to lay down relationships for a year. Some of you think, Jesus, come fetch me now. That's too bad, right? It was, so, it was so difficult. I remember the lady that gave us these classes. The classes were called Celebrating Singleness. And I hated it. I thought, no, you're speaking about celebrating celibacy. Yeah? It sounds too bad. I don't, I don't want to be there. I argued with her so much. I'm like, no, this can't be of God. La, 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 don't want to hear it. Like, I want to hear it. I want to be in a relationship. But to an ungodly extent, it was something in me that, that wasn't dead yet. So that I wanted to pick it up in myself. I wanted to find my joy in being in a relationship.
But eventually I realized, man, I'm actually trying to find joy in this and not joy in Jesus. And I laid it down for that year. And then the second year came by, and for a year, I remember so many, like once or twice, there was opportunities when I went home, and it was actually so funny. I was like committed. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to kiss anyone, nothing. I'm like going clean right here. I'm like, I'm like, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. I was like that. <laughs> and then I'm at home in our kitchen, and I'm looking out of the window in our kitchen, and there's a church next door to our house. And as I'm looking, there's a girl standing there, quite a pretty girl, and she waves at me. <laughs> and her and her friends say, come here. <laughs> and I go over and start chatting, and she wants my number and to go for a movie. And I'm like, Jesus, no, get behind me, Satan, get behind me, Satan. Because I know where this is going to lead, right? I know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm like, no, I'm going to hold fast to this. I'm going to follow Jesus. And a lot of growth actually took, I let that thing die. Second year came around and we could decide. You had to make a commitment for a year. It's a little bit like a sec. They don't do it anymore. You had to write it and they put it on the wall. This is what I'm committing to do for a year. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm allowed to go into a relationship. I'm deciding I'm going to let this thing die because it's still alive in me. I still want to find my joy there. Let it die. Second year, no relationship. Started becoming easier. Started, started finding my identity in Jesus more. Third year, I'm like, no, no brainer, I'm going to do it again because I'm loving Jesus so much at the moment. I'm growing so much. Don't want a relationship. Lay it down. Fourth year, I'm not under that system anymore, but I'm like, I'm not going to do it because now I'm waiting for my wife, actually. That thing is dead. And it's dead. I don't, I'm not holding it anymore. I'm not seeking joy there. Fifth year after school, same thing. Sixth year after school, same thing. Seventh year after school, seven years of being single. And, um, and I remember meeting Carla. And my knees went weak, right? No, I'm joking. Her knees went weak. <laughs> and after I met her that weekend, I, I said to one of my friends, listen, if this girl's going to marry me, if she'd be willing to marry me, I'm going to marry her. That's like just after I met her. And she fought against it. Um, and I kept pursuing her for about six months. Said in Afrikaans, and I kept, I kept pursuing her, I kept going for it, and eventually we entered into a relationship, and, and I thought this thing was dead, but even in our relationship, I felt this thing being picked up again, and I thought I'd killed it, right? thought I'd killed it, but I found so much joy there, and um, in our relationship, one of the biggest things that we went through was, I, I really feel called to full-time ministry. I know God is calling me. He's, he's maybe even calling me for the nations at some point, point. and Carla said, listen, I, I can't see that. It's not the life I imagined for myself. I don't actually want to marry a pastor. And if I do, like, I can't see this life. And we kept dating. And at some point, some of you would have heard this story. I realized, come on, I've started picking this thing up again. It needs to die. It needs to bow before Jesus. We were engaged at that point. And I went to Carla and I said, listen, I do love you. I do want to marry you. But if you're not going to budge on this point then we need to break up. We need to break the engagement. And there was a lot of tears from both of us. We were sad. We like, well, where are we going with this? And we actually, again, put that thing before the Lord. We let it die. You hear me? You follow me? Let it die. You're not going to find fulfillment there. You think, you're gonna, you think there's like a little hole in you that's going to be filled when you find that person? It's not going to be filled, people. You think when I have sex, that's going to fill that all? It's not going to fill that all, people. It's not. You need to let that thing die. Jesus calls us to a life of 
dying to ourselves, dying to our own desires. And then as you try and pick it up, God is going to ask you again, lay it down, let it die. And as we let it die, God did a miracle in her life. And he brought life again. And she shifted. Now she's full-time with me in the church. We're serving God together. That's a, like, you don't know what a miracle that is. It's a miracle. Like, it's a miracle. I honestly wasn't sure if it was going to happen. But the only way that life sprung out, now, I mean, we've physically got life, double portion right there at the back. And we're serving God together. It's really amazing. We have an amazing marriage now. We love each other. We're fruitful for the Lord. The only reason this, this would have happened is because I let it die. If I picked it up in my own strength, I would not be in a healthy marriage today, I'm telling you. I might not be even in, in ministry even today. So in your life, listen to me. God is going to call you to those things that you love, those things where you find fulfillment. He's going to say to you, let it die. Bring it before me. Put a knife in it. Stab it. Kill it. Dead. D-E-D. Dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> Make it dead. Not halfway dead. Not like... God, I'm going I'm to kill it, but I know you're going to resurrect it. Not like that. Kill it. Let it die. Let it die. Even if you feel like it's a promise of God. God promised to Abraham that he would have offspring. When he was an old toppy, God gave him a son. It was the promise of God. It wasn't like he was walking in sin. It was the promise of God. Then God says to him, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice. Let it die. Let it die. I've promised you a lot. I want to be fruitful through your life. I want to use you in many ways. Let it die. And in Hebrews it says that Abraham had so much faith in God that he took his son up the mountain. He was, he was willing to stab his son, to kill his son, because he knew that if this was a promise of God, God will resurrect it. Not in my own strength. Not in my own strength. And he, the Bible says in Hebrews that he had so much faith that he knew that God would resurrect his son from the dead because he knew that it was the promise of God. How many things in our lives are we holding on for because we seek our joy there? We seek the promises of God there. God is telling you, I need you to let that thing die so that I can resurrect it and I can show you what I really meant it to be. Some of you really need to let marriage die. Let it die. Let that desire die. Now you're thinking, that's scary. I'm not coming back to this church again. It's Jesus. It's not me. Let it die. Say, God, I'm putting it in your hands. I'm not going to run after this girl or this boy. Yes, if they come, I'm going to say yes for a coffee. I'm not one of those weird people. I'm going to be open-handed, like I'm going to be there. But I'm not going to seek with it for all of my heart, with all of my heart. I'm going to let it die. I'm going to seek you first, Jesus. And I believe that as I let that thing die, you will bring the right person. You will bring life to it. And I will keep you in the main place. Then you guys will have fruitful marriages. Let me tell you another story quickly in, in my life. But um, leading a church, ministry, can, do you know that even ministry can be an idol? For so many of us, even ministry can be an idol. Leading a church was something that I had a massive desire to do and plant a church. It was, I had a massive desire for it. And I wanted to pick it up in my own strength. I remember when I was at TMT, I became so angry once. I said, I'm just going to go and plant a church and bump my head, but it'll be okay. I'll sort it out on the way. I wanted to pick it up because I felt like it was a promise of God. And eventually I realized, shucks, I can't do that. But so many times this thing would come up. I want to take the promises of God, those things that I want so dearly. I want to take it and I want to do it in my strength. And um, 
one evening I had a dream. Um, it was there was an opportunity actually to plant a church at that stage, and I had a dream that um, that I was standing in a house uh, with a bunch of people, a lot of people around me, and. As I was standing in this house, Carla came in, walking, no, 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 sorry, a, a servant, I just knew he was a servant, came into this old farmhouse, and as he walked in, he, um, he said to me, he just looked at me, and in my mind, you know, sometimes in a dream, you just know, I knew that Carla was pregnant, and she was about to have our baby, um, somewhere outside of the house, and I was waiting for the arrival of the baby, and as the servant came in, he looked at me, and in his eyes, I saw the baby didn't make it, something went wrong. And I ran to him and I grabbed him. I'm like, what, where, what happened to the baby? And I fell down and I cried. And I realized that this thing that, that God wanted to birth, it died, but it died in a public place. It died in front of people. And sometimes you just know what a dream means. I can't tell you how, I just knew what it means. I knew that God was saying, he does have a promise for me. He does have this baby or this ministry that he wants me to do. But if I'm going to pick it up prematurely, I knew that this baby died because of prematurity. If I was going to pick it up prematurely, that dream was going to die, and it's going to die in a public place in front of people. I'm going to fail in front of people. It's going to die in front of people. And again, I had to come before God and say, God, I want this, but God, I need to lay it down. I need to let it die in order that it can live. And the moment that Kala came to me and said, listen, we're going to start Staley's PM, I actually said to him, Kala, are you sure? And he said, that's when he knew God did a miracle. <laughs> Because normally I would say, yeah, come on, I want to do it. But I said, are you sure? Is the church ready for this? And I believe that out of that obedience, out of letting it die, now life has come. And you guys sitting here and all of those who can't be here tonight, this church was planted out of letting something die and letting it come to life again. I'm not saying it's about me at all, but there's a lot of life on this church at the moment. Like if I look at worship, there's just life. And I'm like, God, I have nothing to do with this. The last few Sundays especially, it's just been, there's been life. New people have joined, salvations and baptisms and numerical growth. And I'm like, God, how is this possible? Why is there so much fruit? And I really believe it's not about me. It's not about what I did right. But it's because this dream of Staley's PM died and Jesus resurrected it in his time. We need to die so that we can live. John 12 verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. A seed needs to die first before any of that potential can be awakened. It needs to die, be put into the ground, and then God will bring life. So some of you are studying. Have you brought your studies before the Lord? Listen, you're not... You're not on this earth to become an accountant. Dean might not ever become an accountant after he did a hair. He's got a hair now. I don't know where he is. <laughs> oh, there he is at the back. He failed tax. <laughs> Dean, God didn't put you on this earth to be an accountant, okay? He didn't put you on this earth to be an accountant. Anyone else with a hair? Students. Okay. Praise God that you're not here for your studies primarily, okay? <laughs> everyone's giving a round of applause everyone that failed the subject I think <laughs> like praise God you're not yet to become an accountant or an actuarial scientist or a, or a lawyer or a 
What's the, what do you become when you do beyond manfang? Or a wife? You're not here. You're not here for any of those things. That's a joke, people. It's a joke. I need to wake you up a little bit tonight. You're not here to become any of those things. You're here to be fruitful for Jesus. Have you come to the point where you've laid your studies before God and say, God, I'm not going to find my fulfillment here. Find my fulfillment in you, God. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to do my part, but you bring life to it so that through my job, I can bring fruit into your kingdom. Those of you who work, have you brought your job before God or are you a workaholic that's only trying to find your life there? Listen, that's not the most important thing that's going to pass away. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let it die. Say, God, and that doesn't mean not don't go to work. Just like, God, I'm not finding my fulfillment here. I'm laying it down. If you want me to do anything, I'll do anything for you. You need to come to that point of not holding on to it. Say, God, you bring it to life again so that I can find fruit for you. Those of you in a relationship, have you let it die? Have you let it die? I'm not saying you should break up, but maybe you should break up. But I'm not saying you should. Not everyone has to do that. But I'm I'm saying if you're holding on to that thing for dear life, you're finding life there, Jesus needs to be your number one priority. Firstly, in the relationship, try and sort that out. If you are compromising in your relationship, I'm telling you Jesus is probably not number one. If you're falling sexually in your relationship, probably Jesus is not number one. You need to die to that relationship. Say, God, I want the wife that you want for me. In your relationship, try and work through it. Do it in accountability. If you can't, leave it. Let it die. If it's of God, He will raise it up again. He will make it work. He's not into letting you suffer just for the sake of it. I think some of us have this mindset, anything that I want, Jesus doesn't want for me. Not the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. There's a place for that scripture even, where God will give us our desires. God will actually make it amazing. Right. You can have a godly marriage. You can have godly work. You can have godly studies. You can have godly finances. You can have a godly life, a fruitful life, if you come to a point of ultimate surrender so that Jesus could be everything. And you're actually going to enjoy it. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy my marriage. Hear me, I'm not trying to be provocative. I enjoy sex because I let those things die. I'm not trying to grab. And now, in God, I'm able to enjoy even the things of this world because I don't find my ultimate fulfillment there. Am I making sense? We need to die. Why? To live. I'm going to try that again. We need to die. Why? To live. Man, I really do think the word that Keaton shared, we need to be a, a people of joy. That when people look at us, they're like, how oh, is this person so joyful? How are they so happy? How are they enjoying it so much? It's because they're not living for themselves. They've died to themselves, but they found life in Christ. They're living for Him. There's so much joy found in it. Remember, I don't, Mika, I hope you don't mind. But um, I'm going to end with this. Uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, I asked the worship team to do a song called um, He is Yahweh. Love that song. And one of the verses of the song, it's, it sings, um, it is he who makes me happy. And I came to the worship team and I asked, are you ready with that song? And I saw that they dropped that entire verse. And I asked them, why did you drop it? And Mika, not just her, some of the other people said, because it's not about happiness. We're not serving God for our happiness. Maybe joy because we've got the semantics thing there. Maybe joy, but not happiness. And I asked Mika, I'm just picking on you now, Mika. I, I asked everyone, but I asked Mika, Mika, does Jesus make you happy? 
Yes, he makes me happy. So sing it. <laughs> he makes me happy because I found life in him. I'm not finding my life in this world. I'm not finding it in the things of this world. And he's even redeemed the things of this world for me. I can even enjoy friendships and a bride <laughs> and my wife because he redeemed my life from the pit. Okay, let's stand. is not supposed to be a heavy message. I'm trying to tell you that there is life on the other side of death. <laughs> there is life on the other side of death. And when you feel like your Christianity is a dying process, just hold on. There's light at the end of the tunnel. When you let those things die, oh man, he's going to bring you life. Oh man, he's going to bring you life. It's the most amazing feeling, I'm telling you. And it's the life of Christianity. It's the, it's, it's the Christian way. Okay. I'm going to end for us. Um, and as I close, I want to give an opportunity if you haven't found life in Jesus yet. You know, when you come to this point of realizing, man, I'm living for myself. I'm living for my own pleasures, my own desires. I've never fully given my life to Jesus. I'm not saved. I don't know if I'll even be in heaven if I die now. When you come to that place, you know what you need to do? You need to die to your old self. Say, God, I'm so sorry for living without you. And turn to him. And the beautiful thing is, tonight he will give you life. If you choose to die with him tonight, tonight he will give you life. He'll give you new life. It's not always going to be easy, but there's going to be life, joy, fulfillment. And he died on a cross so that he could see you getting saved tonight even. So I want to give an opportunity. If we could just all close our eyes as I end. If there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, or you, you know about him, you grew up in church even, but you're not in a personal relationship with him. Maybe all of your religion with Jesus has been work. It's been like these things that you want to do, that you just do, and you've found joy in other places, I want to say, no, find your joy in Jesus tonight. Find your joy in coming to Him as a good Father, running to Him with arms wide open and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me and give me new life. So just with everyone's eyes closed, if that's you, if, if you are here tonight and you want to make right with God, if either fallen away from, from your relationship with Him, or you want to, for the first time, say, Jesus, take my life, I give it to you tonight. Can I ask you to raise your hand where you're standing? Just to raise your hand. We're going to give a last moment. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's an amazing thing. He wants to give you life tonight. I don't know, maybe everyone's saved here. I don't know, but maybe not. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Is there anyone that wants to make right with Jesus tonight? If you can raise your hand. Okay. Last opportunity. Right. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you so much. Godfrey, if you can come to the front as well, wherever you are. I'm, God, I want to thank you so much just for this joy of following you, Lord. I thank you that as we die to you, that, uh, that we find life in you, God. Let's say amen. Just say thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much, God, that, um, that Christianity is not dull. It's not boring, Lord. It's full of life. It's life in abundance when we die to these false promises of life and we find our life in you, God. Pray for us as a congregation, Lord, that you would give us true life, Lord, that when people look at us, they would see a joy in us that doesn't make sense, a joy that is found in you, a joy that is found in our relationships with you, God. Thank you for that. If you can also just pray for us for that.
So my Father, you are so good. There is no one else like you, Jesus. You are so beautiful. You are so glorious. You are so wonderful, God. Lord, what a privilege, Lord God, it is to be in a relationship with you, Father, to overflow with life. Father, we thank you that, Lord, tonight we can know that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are life. God, and I'm so reminded of the disciples tonight where they said, where will we go? Because with you are the words of life. God, and we thank you that there's no other well that we can drink from. There's, there's no other thing that can satisfy us but the person of Jesus. Lord, and I pray for each and every single one of us that are here tonight, God, that we will find our satisfaction in you, Father. Lord, we thank you that there's no other world that will ever satisfy God. And I'm so reminded, Lord God, by the, by the words or gospel song that says, even Jacob's well will never do. Only Jesus will do, God. And tonight, Father, we come before you, Lord, and in a sense, we want to repent, Father, where we've drawn from other worlds, God, where we've drawn life, Lord God, or thought that we, we, we were drawing love from other places, God. We want to come before you tonight and say, Jesus, you are the ultimate life, God. And we lay down our life tonight. We lay down our desires. We lay down all of who we are, Father, because we want to draw from you tonight. So, God, will you come by your spirit, Lord, in the only way that you can do? Will you come and satisfy us, Lord God, with what is good? We thank you that your word says that you will satisfy us with what is good. Oh, Lord, you're so beautiful, glorious. Maybe for a couple of seconds, I'm sorry, Len, that I'm taking off. Maybe for a couple of seconds, wherever we're just standing right now, just for a couple of seconds, just, just, just pray, man. Just, just cry out to God and just realize tonight that there's no other place that we can draw life from but the person of Jesus. We're going into the holidays, and I promise you, you are going to be tempted to draw life from all other places. So right now, can we as a congregation to say, God, even those who have left us to be on holiday, I promise you that the enemy is going to throw each and every single thing that he can throw. But can we say, God, we want to be a people that draw life from you tonight. So as a congregation, right now, wherever you're standing, let's just cry out to God and say, God, would you come and fill us up? Would you come and be our our satisfaction. Come on, let's just do it out loud. Let's just do it out loud. Don't be shy tonight. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. We come before you, God. And we say, you are life, Jesus. You are life. There's no other place, Lord God, that we can draw from God. So we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, even these holidays, God, would you come and be the one that fills us up, God. Come fill us up with life. I'll be honor you, Jesus. We glorify you, God. You are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our lives, Jesus. Every single part of it, God. Worthy, God. Worthy, Lord. Worthy. Worthy. Amen.